Hi, this is Blaze with another podcast episode from the How I Learned series. This is David Crabb telling a story for the theme, How I Learned to Tell It Like It Is. This took place in August of 2012. You're going to love this story. Enjoy. My dad's name is Larry Crabb. Uh, Larry Crabb was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. He's a good old boy. He wears trucker hats, cowboy boots, and real tight Wrangler jeans, like cutting off circulation tight. Um, my dad's a little bit smaller than me, and he has a little man syndrome, and I always thought that he got his clothes too small, as if people might look at him and think, oh my god, that guy's so huge, he's bursting out of his clothes. Um, uh, my, one thing about my dad was very... Um, um, upsetting when I was young is he has a horrible temper. God forbid you ever have to deal with a hostess with him or you ever have to drive in traffic. That is the worst thing in the world. Um, all throughout middle school, every summer, I would take my summer off and I would visit my dad in his Winnebago. He worked out of a Winnebago all down south as a fiber optic technician. If you ever called him a phone man, he'd be like, I'm a technician. Um, we would drive around in his Winnebago and it was fun because, you know, sometimes I, I literally would see like six or seven states in a day. We would go through so much uh, area, but he was such a rageful driver. Like, it was like getting the Heimlich all the time. He was one of these guys, if someone was too close, he would pump the brakes, look in the rear view mirror, you motherfucker, fuck you! And I was just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And then eventually they'd pull around us and he would like lay on the horn and flick him off being like, motherfucker! Mind you, the whole time the window was up. So he was basically just screaming at me. Um, and that was the problem with my dad's specific brand of rage, is that I was very old before I realized, oh wow, he's not always mad at me. Um, when we would drive together, the same thing would always happen. I don't know how many of you ever tried to stay in a really small space with one of your parents for more than two hours, but when you get into the 12th hour or 13th hour, it gets super, super rough. Um, with my dad, the same thing would always happen on these road trips. Uh, eventually, we'd be driving and he'd say, so, DJ. What's the girl's situation like? <laughs> and I would say, oh, um, it's good, Dad. Um, uh, there, 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 there's a lot of girls in, in my school, and um, they all really uh, like me. Like, all the girls like me. Like, actually, all my friends are girls. <laughs> I don't even have any guy friends, Dad. All my friends are girls. They love me. <laughs> Which totally was not the right answer. Um, I could see his, like, mouth flinching and his, like, aviator sunglasses. And whenever this happened and we were coming to this question, I would just put on my headphones. Um, I took my Sony Discman with me everywhere that I went because I had to have my jams as close as I could have them. Uh, my jams included really top-notch music by the likes of Taylor Dane, Rick Astley, Jody Watley. Um, my music was the music where there was nary a single organic piece of instrumentation in sight. There were lots of drum machines, lots of synth hits. Love synth hits. And then always in the background, some like big woman saying, Wow, yeah! Like that was my shit, right? Um, I love the kind of music from like late 80s movie montages where like a bunch of urban youths and like, like tank tops that hung off their shoulder and fingerless gloves would like renovate a roller skating rink and like a three minute montage to like Stacey Q. <laughs> And they would like, save the summer dance program. Like that, that was my music. Um, and, and my dad and I could not have been more different because he was just cranking the same Reba McIntyre cassette over and over and over. And he'd sit there in his boots with his big hat and I was there with my like frosted bangs and my hyper color shirt and my tele 
to my heart. Like very different people. And what I was terrified of was what I had realized that last school year in middle school is that I knew that I was gay. And I wasn't behaviorally gay, but I knew that I was psychologically gay, so it was very close. Um, now, uh, w one time we were driving, and, and this was this last summer, and on the radio I heard this song that I'd never heard before. Um, it was very sexy and steamy. There were lots of synth hits and drum machines. <laughs> and the chorus went, I want your love. I want your love. And I was like, what is this? So we went to the music store and I grabbed the George Michael Faith CD. <laughs> and after an hour of tearing at that industrial plastic that you like tear at like a fucking wild animal, I opened the CD and I put it in my discman and I was very surprised because I Want Your Love was what they played in the Bible Belt on the radio. I did not know it was I Want Your Sex. Sex, over, he says the word sex like a million fucking times in that song. And that whole CD, there's like monkeys on people's backs and I had a hot day and kissing a fool. And it was like, oh, I felt super fucking horny listening to this disc. Now, on top of this, I was obsessed with Interview Magazine, as all 13-year-olds were. Um, and my favorite part of Interview Magazine, besides the uh, Marky Mark, Calvin Klein ads, was um, the party pages in the back, where there was like a picture of like David Bowie and Iman having champagne on the roof of the Chrysler building for Calvin Klein's daughter's Sweet 16. And Grace Jones was the DJ, and she was wearing like a metal crown of thorns and one blue contact lens, like at the turntables. And I was like, I gotta get there because those pictures were full of like freaks and weirdos and artists and I knew that I could be there, I could be the person I wanted to be and most importantly, I could probably be gay, maybe? It looked like, at least on the roof of the Chrysler building at Kevin Klein's <laughs> daughter's party, you could probably be gay. If David Bowie was there gay with his, oh, never mind. Um, so, so I, had, I felt this like sudden, I was just, like I, I had masturbated before, don't get me wrong, but it was always like, oh, I, I can masturbate. And I was fucking horny, trapped in a little metal box with my father. <laughs> and I started to go to the bathroom all the time. I was like, I'll be back, I'll be back, I'll be back, I'll be back. <laughs> and when I went to the bathroom, uh, one time, um, I don't know if you've ever tried to, um, look, let me just say, how do I say this politely? Um, <laughs> masturbating in a little room moving at 75, 80 miles an hour with a guy that pumps brakes can get really messy. And, oh, that was grosser than I thought it was gonna be once I said it. Um, and one time I reached under the cabinet and I was going to uh, get some tissue and I noticed uh, a magazine. And I took the magazine out and it was a penthouse. And I had seen penthouse magazines before, but this was not like a penthouse I had seen because as opposed to just a woman centerfold and a woman on the cover, this one was all about this couple getting nasty on the beach. And uh, the caption named the woman Candy. And Candy had a big 80s uh, hat, big 80s sunglasses, and big 80s areolas. They were like dinner plates. They were the biggest freaking honking areolas I've ever seen in my life. And then the guy, they didn't give a name. He was really tan, he was in a little white Speedo, he was very muscular, and his hair always hung in his eyes to kind of like hide his identity. <laughs> I named him Rolando. <laughs> that centerfold is fucking tattooed on my brain. Like, I remember there was this one where she was bent over a wheelbarrow, which really, even at that age, I was like, who has a wheelbarrow on a beach? Like, what can you do? Like, you can't get it through the sand. What can you transport? It just seems like not practical. Um, 
But that didn't matter because Rolando was taking her from behind with like his wet hair hanging in his face. And then in this other centerfold, she was like squatted below him and you could see like his ripped abs and then right where his lips were, the page ended. I was like, who is this man of mystery? <laughs> After going in there over and over and over and over again, one time my dad pulled into this Walgreens and he came back with a bag and he handed me a thing of Pepto-Bismol and he said, son, I know how the road can be. It's a sedentary lifestyle. Sometimes you don't know if you're coming or going and this ought to help. So I thank my dad because um, I was having problems with, yeah, constipation, not insane brain-burning masturbation. Thanks, Dad. So as the summer goes on and on and on, I realize that my time with Rolando is coming to an end. <laughs> I, enjoy, I get as much kicks out of him as I can, and then I put him away. Um, over the next few years, I become a goth kid. Um, I, I meet my dream people, and soon I'm wearing a cape in earnest. Um, <laughs> I know people who wear one contact lens and wear like torn fishnets and boys who write like anarchy sim like A's on their cheeks. And the great thing about these people was you could come to these people and you'd be like, I'm gay. And like some girl in a, like a torn veil would be like, that's all you got? You know what I mean? Like, I love these people, you know? I got really into bad stuff. I got into lots of drugs, taking lots of acid. I would forge note after note after note to skip out of school and get high. And eventually, I was called into my guidance counselor's office by my guidance counselor, Cookie Richard, <laughs> who is a man. That's... I, he had a little bowl cut and ball cap glasses. I don't understand. He had five sons who were very athletic. Um, <laughs> cookie! Uh, so... Um, I got called in there and I got confronted with all the notes I forged and sitting there, um, Cookie um, looked at me and he said, you know, uh, so David, you know, I've been talking to your father and um, I want to talk to you about drugs. And he asked me all these questions. Would your dad understand if you were on drugs? I said, yeah, you'd understand. Would your dad understand if you were this and that and understand? And the whole time I, my dad is just sitting there, just like beat red, you know, and I'm waiting for that sp the sprinkler system of like agita to come at me. And then finally he's like, would your dad understand if you told him you were gay? And I knew that I had that moment, you know what I mean? Like I could be like, <laughs> yeah, he totally understands. And before I could stop my mouth, I said, he wouldn't understand. And my dad's eyes got this big around and he went like white as a sheet and I was excused from school for the day. Uh, where my dad and I went home. I ran into my bedroom, I slammed the door, I blasted the saddest Smith songs that I could play about the lonely boy. And um, after about an hour of listening to my dad and the rest of the house slam cabinets and yell at my mom on the phone and call different family therapists, he finally came in my room and, um, and he walked in and uh, he was very solemn and he had his hand behind his back. And he pulled up this chair and he sat across from me. I was sitting on my bed with my eyeliner and my black nails. And he says, uh, son, I know this is going to be kind of weird, but uh, I need to show you something, all right? I just want you to keep an open mind. From behind his back, he pulls out the August 1987 issue of Penthouse magazine, which he did not know that I was all too familiar <laughs> with. And he holds up the magazine. He says, so David, I want you to know there, there's not a, a, a right answer to the, well, there is, okay, no, there's no right answer to this question, all right? But I want to ask you, who do you find more attractive? Her or him? And I had the opportunity again, do you know what I mean? I could, I could save myself and I could talk about how great her huge areolas were or 
You know, like, oh, I was I was tripping. I was like peeking on like a hit of Purple Blotter in Cookie's office. I totally love vagina, vagina, pussy, 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 pussy. Oh, give it to me. Um, but again, I had that moment and I looked at him and I pointed and I said, him. And my dad was quiet and I was like, this is the moment. This is the moment when all that like, all that rage finally really is focused on me. Like I thought of all the words he could call me and all the things he could say and how horrible it was gonna be. And he stood up and he rolled up the penthouse and he sort of tensed up for a moment and he looked at me and he said, all right, well, we're having fajitas for dinner. <laughs> and that was it, walked out of the room. Uh, I had to come out to my dad about 20 more times in the next three years. It was like a gay groundhog day. It was like, seriously? It's real, dad. I'm totally gay. I promise, I promise. Um, my dad and I's relationship uh, is, uh, is much, much, much better now. Um, and I think he's always gonna be fine with it, but the minute I fucking come home with black nails and a cape, he's fucking out of it. He's out. Thank you guys so much. The How I Learned series is brought to you by creator, producer, and host, Blaze Allison Kearsley, and assistant producer, Lyra Smith, who also edited this podcast. You can hear more stories from the How I Learned series uh, on our website, howilearnedseries.com, or on iTunes. And, um, well, I hope you enjoyed that story from David Crabb. He is an amazing performer. And um, that's it for now. Stay tuned for more podcast episodes, and hopefully we'll see you at a live show soon. Yeah.